In the Gospel today, we read our Lord saying, He showed them his hands and his side, and except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, said Thomas, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Then cometh Jesus and saith to Thomas, Put in thy finger hither, see my hands. Bring hither thy hand, and put it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hands. Watch the hands these days. There's a story in classic Catholic school in the old days. The little children were out playing at recess. A priest was crossing the parking lot. Two tiny third graders ran up to him and one of them insisted upon putting her little hand into the palm of the priest. And she looked up in the very innocent way of childhood and exclaimed, Father, I like putting my hand in your hand. Looking down into her soulful eyes, the priest asked her, and why do you like to put your hand in my hand? Sweetly and very sincerely, she said, because you hold Jesus in your hand. Yes, the priest holds Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, in his consecrated hands. This is his supreme power, but he has many others. We take a moment today to consider the ordination ceremony, which will take place in 10 days' time on the Solemnity of St. Joseph, Wednesday, May 4. The ceremony starts, 10 o'clock in the morning, with a grand procession into church. The ordinands are wearing their albs and maniples and stoles, and over the left arm folded is their chasuble. The pontifical mass proceeds as usual, I say as usual, for you are blessed to be able to get used to all of these grand ceremonies in great graces that many Catholics never have the occasion to see once in a lifetime. Well, after the first part of the Alleluia is sung, after the epistle, then comes the sermon, and then the bishop calls the ordinands, and he asks if they are worthy. And then he speaks a bit about the priest's exalted dignity, and we all sing together the litany of the saints, whilst the ordinands prostrate face down on the carpet before the altar. Watch the hands now, for the bishop imposes his hands on the head of each ordinand in silent prayer. This is the matter of the ceremony of the sacrament. All the priests who are present do the same. It's a very solemn and silent moment. Then the bishop begins to sing the preface. We talked about that, remember how these prefaces are so ancient and that's how sacraments are given and great graces are, are besought of God with praise and with thanks. One part of the preface is read 
not sung but read most carefully, and we call that the form or the essential words of the sacrament of holy orders. And when that is said, then the deacon is now a priest. Tu es sacerdos in eternum. Thou art a priest forever. The new priest's stole, which had been wearing diagonally across his shoulder, you will have noticed, is now crossed over his breast, and he's vested with a priestly vestment that chasuble. Next comes the invocation of the Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost, or Veni Creator, and the new priest's hands are anointed by the bishop with the oil of the catechumens, and he makes the sign of the cross, St. Andrew's cross, an X-shaped over the palms of the new priest's hands, and then the holy oil is spread everywhere, and then his hands are placed together and bound with a white linen, sort of a purificator, a finger towel, called a maniturgium, and they're held that way for a while, so much as if to allow the holy oil to penetrate into the skin, for his hands will be consecrated in time and in eternity. And so the priest receives the power of blessing and of consecrating and of making holy, and for that purpose are his hands consecrated. Next, the bishop hands the tools of his trade to the new priest. That is to say, a chalice with wine and water in it, and a paten with a host upon it. And the priest, with his hands still bound together, touches the paten and the chalice, and the bishop says to him, receive power to offer sacrifice to God, to celebrate Holy Mass, both for the living and for the dead, in the name of the Lord. Then the Mass resumes, and at the offertory, the new priest begins concelebrating the Mass with the ordaining bishop. Concelebration in the traditional Roman rite occurs but twice, ordination of priests, consecration of bishops. You will hear then the bishop and the new priest reciting the usually silently said prayers, not in a loud voice, but loud enough so that everyone can hear as the prayers are said together. Each priest kneels with an older priest at his side to help him, should that be necessary, as he recites with the bishop the prayers of the rest of the Holy Mass. After Holy Communion, the choir will sing something that our Lord said at the Last Supper, I will not now call you servants, but friends. And as they do so, why then the new priests say together the Apostles' Creed in Latin. And one by one, they come up before the bishop. The bishop, again the hands, lays his hands on the head of each priest and says, this is a reference to today's gospel, what happened on Easter Sunday night. Akshipi Spiritu Sancti, receive the Holy Ghost, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. And then the chasuble, remember the priest vestment, that had been folded up in the back is unfolded and falls to its fullness, representing the fullness of charity. The new priest then puts his hands into the hands of the bishop. That's a feudal or a medieval ceremony of loyalty and of 
the promise of obedience. Technically, it is a promise expressed that should there ever be, again, a bishop who is the ordinary or the archbishop of Cincinnati, this new priest promises to put himself under his obedience. Then there is a final admonition, final blessing. The Mass concludes, as usual, with the bishop lifting his hand to bestow the threefold blessing upon the faithful of the last gospel. Another little instruction. The glorious work is done, and the glorious work is begun by the laying on of hands to ordain a man for the work of God, which he will perform always, God willing, using these hands of his, whether they be lifted to pour the water at baptism, lifted up to bless, to absolve sinners in the sacrament of penance, and most of all every day that these hands will take bread and they are his hand, but they are now our Lord's hands, so they are holy and venerable. He will take bread into his hands and wine and water into his hands, and they will be consecrated into the body and the blood of Christ, the true sacrifice of Calvary and the food of our souls. Bless, O Lord, the work of our hands these days. It was a child's hands. This actually happened, it's not just a story. Did you know this? It was a child's hands that converted one of the great classic actors of Shakespearean stage and also of Hollywood of the cinema. His name was Sir Alec Guinness. He is perhaps best remembered as Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you're of a certain age, um, of, of Star Wars. Well, he was raised a Protestant, Church of England, and um, he didn't receive too much, or didn't retain at least too much in the way of religion, but he did pick up right away and always kept a prejudice against Catholicism that has a way of sticking around. Well, one time they were shooting a film in which he starred as a priest, Father Brown, Chesterton's detective series about the humble, crime-solving sleuth who's also a clergyman. They finished their filming for the day. It was a small village, and Guinness was walking back to his lodgings still wearing his costume, that is to say, his cassock and his collar. When a little boy spies him and thinking that he is a priest, comes up to him and takes his hand and holds it and accompanies Guinness all the way back to the house where he is staying, chatting away in French, perfectly happy. And the actor didn't understand a single word, but nevertheless got to thinking as that boy was walking with him hand in hand down the street, that a church that could inspire such confidence in a child, making priests, even when unknown, so easily approachable, could not be as scheming or as creepy as so often made out. And Guinness says, I began to shake off my long-talked, long-absorbed prejudice. And in time, he did become a Catholic. 
And in his newfound faith, he was, as often converts are, childlike, um, very simple. And like many converts, he was drawn tremendously to the blessed sacrament. So much so that one day, he got to thinking about what that is. And he couldn't help himself. He had to get up and go to the nearest Catholic church to make a visit. And he found himself running all of the way there. Now, who put God into that tabernacle? It was the hands of a priest. The priest is God's anointed, God's ambassador. He acts in the name and with the power of Almighty God. A world awaits them, these four. They will receive the confidence of children, and they will beckon that same fallen world back to God again. They will say to that world what once our Lord said to the errant Thomas, be not faithful, be not the faithless, believe. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.